0: Purdue new football news, welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter.
1: The Boilermakers try to bounce back in week two, although not in an easy place to play as they travel to take on Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. A full preview of the game on the Gold and Black Radio pregame podcast. Kyle Charters here with Tom Deanhart, Brian Newbert, and Alan Karpik. It's Purdue at VodTech at noon on Saturday. All right, Tom, the Boilermakers hit the road to Virginia Tech to take on the Hokies for a game to Purdue, of course, coming off a loss in week one. Uh, I feel like sort of the, the message this week uh, a little bit has been, um, you know, at least in some respects, to stay the course here. Uh, no real reason uh, to hit the panic button for Purdue at this point, but certainly a lot of things to clean up from the week one loss.
2: Yeah, I think, Kyle, we all can agree at the top of the to-do list is getting better on third downs on both sides of the ball, right? Uh, they couldn't get off the field. Fresno State converted 11-17, third downs, 65%. Conversely, you know, Purdue's offense, Kyle, could not stay on the field. They were just 2-11 of 11 on third downs, 18% con- uh, conversion rate. And that was a big reason why I obviously you saw that huge discrepancy in uh in plays run by both teams. I think it was something like 82 for uh Fresno State and 60 for Purdue. the Boilermakers lost by five points. So yeah, they gotta get better on third downs. And uh right how about the short guarded situation, right? I mean, you had cover football a long time, and it seems like getting that that third and one, that fourth and one. It's always a struggle for Purdue to get real physical. And Kyle, we saw it rear its ugly head once again. If they just, if Mock could be fourth and goal with the one yard line, get stuffed. No touchdown. And uh, obviously, if you're able to burn that, Kyle, you probably win the game. So third down, short yardage rushing. Those are two things I certainly am going to be looking for uh, this weekend in, in Blacksburg.
1: Yeah, sometimes the game is very simple. Uh, at least it looks very simple. Those third downs are just glaring on both sides. If you can't stop it, you can't convert them. It's going to be uh, difficult to to win football games. There's no doubt about that. What do you think Purdue does differently this week to be able to a convert on offense? B, you know, get some stops on defense.
2: You know, I think you sort of. There's no way you can suddenly magically get more physical in the offensive line during this during the season. It it is what it is, right? Yeah. So you have to get a little, I don't know if cute's the right word, but, uh, a little inventive. Um, uh, I think Hudson Card needs to be a little bit more involved. I think more, more, more RPOs, maybe where he pulls it out and keeps it. Um, stuff like that would help. Maybe, maybe trying to evolve the receivers more with jet sweeps, get the ball to guys like Deion Burks, and, and just flat out hand the ball off more to Devin Mockaby. and let him do his stuff, Kyle. I, I, he never really got lathered up in the first half. I know he had the early fumble. I, I think they're, they're they're trying to play too many running backs. ride Devin Mockaby, for crying out loud? I just he, He's a cut above and he's special, and you got to use your special players. Purdue's got a handful of special players. Mockaby, Burks, Garrett Miller, and Hudson Carter on offense. Those guys have to be special. Purdue's going to win. So just give the ball to Mockaby, and I think, what we saw in the second half, Kyle, looked pretty good to me, didn't it to you? I mean, he, yeah. he ripped off about sixty yards rushing the second half. He 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 a knack. I can't explain it. He, he just knows how to get yards. So again, I, I think that that could be one solution too is just feeding him more often.
1: Yeah, I like that game plan. Uh, I'll add in there, uh, throw in Tyrone Tracy on some specialty stuff. Uh, you know, just to just to get him a few touches per game. I think that's a good. A good look, too. But, yeah, I mean, you got, you got to get uh, Devin Mockby the ball. Um, and, and to give him an opportunity, uh, you know, outside outside a little bit, too. I mean, get it to him in a little bit of space. Because when he gets space, which he didn't have a whole lot of, but when I mean, he does, I mean, I mean, really, uh,
2: he can really move. I mean, okay, Kyle, Kyle, talk a little bit about your thoughts, though, so, because we talked off air and, and, and days after the game about just the RPO game. Yeah. And maybe ways to attack the edge. And how how, how you would like to see Hudson ball in the ground game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's there's some chances there, I think, for him to get to keep the ball, you know, and, and get outside the tackles a little bit. I I I was surprised, Tom, that we did not see that more often uh in mm-hmm. game one than than what we did. It seemed like what there was probably that I can recall two significant runs for Hudson Card. I don't know what the uh the stats bear out, but you know, a couple of times there it felt like maybe he had an opportunity to keep that ball and and get to the corner and maybe gain some yardage he didn't take those chances.
2: Yeah, he had six carries for 29 yards. I think if, if memory serves me right, Kyle, almost all those runs weren't – I mean, they, they weren't called runs. Most of them right. were scrambles and being you know, improvising. So, uh, yeah, again, I know you don't want to expose your quarterback taking a lot of hits. But at some point, Kyle, you got to win football games, right? And Purdue let one get off the hook Saturday, and it was very painful. That was a game they probably should have won. Now they're they're now they're one down, and that was again a winnable game. And here we go to Virginia Tech. They're a three point favorite now, and we know the rest of the schedule. Kyle, uh, you got to seize these opportunities and and, and and just go with the and just, just, just ride to ride you right. Like I said, ride the, the players that you got that are the most talented. And we'll see if Purdue's able to do that moving forward here. Yeah,
1: yeah, that line's been all over the place, hasn't it? I mean, my my gosh, yeah. this week uh, from from starting out uh, at least what I saw maybe Virginia Tech minus one to to Purdue minus two and a half to to now you know perhaps Virginia Tech getting the the home three.
2: That's what I heard today. Somebody told me they were giving three today.
1: Yeah. So Ryan Walters, uh, you know, first effort on on the defense at Purdue, you know, uh, doesn't look exactly like uh, he wanted. I I, I would imagine. Uh, what does Purdue do dif- differently here to 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 try to shore some things up, especially in the uh, the back half of the defense?
2: Yeah, I think they had two sacks and four TFLs. They got some pressure last week, but yeah, still still too many. Uh, open spots in that secondary that Fresno state receivers were able to sit down in and, and they they kept throwing to the same guy over and over again. Couldn't stop that kid. Yeah. So I'm not sure, Kyle, I'm, uh, maybe, may, maybe trying to dial up some more heat here on this Virginia tech quarterback. He, he's a bigger guy than, than the Fresno quarterback, but this quarterback likes to run a little bit more and, you know, Virginia Tech may have even better receivers in Fresno State. So it's it's going to be a conundrum. I don't know. You know, that's that secondary. You know, the safeties are what they are. Cam Allen, Snoozy Kane, and Dylan Thienemann, cornerbacks. There's there's two veterans, uh, you know, in Marquevious Brown and uh, – and, and, uh, Marquise Wilson. After that, Kyle, you, you got a junior college transfer, and a true freshman. Yeah. So it's it's, it's a real mishmash back there, and I, I think they're always going to bleed some some catches and some yards. You just have to hope that maybe you can you can get some heat, get some negative plays, to try to keep offenses off balance.
1: Unfortunately for Purdue, injuries have been part of the storyline here uh, in this opening of the season, Tom. Purdue, and I have not seen this, uh, was in danger, it looked like, for a moment in the game on Saturday of of needing to go to its fifth center. Now, it didn't (laughs) have to do that, Uh, uh, you know, uh, which is good. Um, No offense to the fifth center, but anytime you get down to number five, you're you're probably playing a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Now, it didn't happen, but it's illustrating that uh, Purdue's got some injuries. I don't anticipate maybe Josh Kaltenberger. Perhaps he could uh, be back on Saturday, which would certainly be a help in that at least it would give Purdue some more options on the interior of its offensive line. But as for everybody else, it's probably status quo on uh, on the injuries, right?
2: Yeah, we'll find out more here when they release the report on Saturday. But, yeah, I think <laughs> – I expect uh, Josh Kaltenberger going to be back. Uh, so that should hopefully maybe help him. Give him some stability at center. Um, you know, Musa was a game time decision last week; ended playing the entire game. He should be back, so they should be in a little bit better shape on the O line. Um, Garrett Miller, I still think that's probably uh, leaning leaning toward him not playing. I think he's doing all he can to get on the field, obviously, but it sounds like he's still maybe at a, a game or two away. Paul Paferi, I do not expect to play at all. He's been dealing with some back issues. Mm. So they could be down to you know playing a lot of Mac excuse me, playing a lot of Max Clare again. So yeah, they're sort of dealing with a lot of the same injuries they had last week, too, that we have to try to navigate here in Blacksburg. Yeah.
1: Well, certainly a big game for Purdue, big one on the road. <coughs> Much more to go here on the Golden Black Radio pregame podcast. We'll get a weather report <laughs> for Blacksburg for Saturday. Talk to Brian Dubert, and get his perspective on uh week two. Alan Karpik will be by. As well, Let's take a break. We'll bring Tom back here in a few minutes to talk some matchups. We'll do that later on Gold and Black Radio. Hello from News 18.
3: I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers are heading to Blacksburg, Virginia to face Virginia Tech with a kickoff time around noon. Unfortunately, the weather is not looking great for Saturday's game. If you'll be down early, morning temperatures will be in the mid-60s around 8 in the morning with scattered chances for rain. By kickoff, chances for rain and a few storms will be possible. Lightning could be a factor that could cause delays. Around the end of the game, more storms will be likely in the middle of the afternoon. Winds should remain light out of the southeast, 5 to 10 miles per hour, with high temperatures during the game remaining in the low 70s. All in all, the Boilers should prepare for a soggy trip down to Virginia. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up. Hammer down.
4: Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the Ordinary at the Whitaker Inn.
0: Time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent.
4: Hey, we're really pleased right now to be joined by Damian Sortelet, who covers Virginia Tech for the Roanoke Times. Thank you, uh, Damian, for giving us some of your time. And real quick, um, just kind of give uh, give us an idea what to expect from the Virginia Tech offense on Saturday.
5: Yeah, Virginia Tech's offense looked remarkably better than it did all of last season. Uh, since when you look at the fact that, you know, the Hokies now have some established playmakers, uh, specifically at wide receiver. Uh, I saw this against Old Dominion, the ability to go over the top with Allie Jennings, uh, Jalen Lane, Dick Kwan Felton. That's something Tech lacked last season. Um, Caleb Smith, who later transferred to Notre Dame after last season and medically retired, was really the only option the Hokies had. So uh, they're able to spread the ball around, go uh, you know, big plays uh, run game. Didn't get established much against the Monarchs, uh, but I have a feeling they'll try to get basial Tutin, Malachi Thomas more involved in the run game to try to loosen up the Purdue defense to try to get those big shots over the top.
4: Kind of give us a sense of what to expect from that Hokie defense.
5: Uh, you know, they're, they're more formidable than they were last year. Uh, and it all starts with Florida transfer Antoine uh, Powell-Ryland off the edge. Uh, he's a guy that they brought in who can win one-on-one battles. And that's something they didn't have last season. So with his ability to win one-on-one battles off the edge, he had two sacks against Old Dominion. That opens up opportunities uh, for the rest of their defense. And then uh, then with that pressure, it creates turnover opportunities Hokies forced three fumbles, recovered two. Uh, also got an interception. Uh, that's a you know a marked improvement over last season when they had nine takeaways all of last year. Uh, get three in the first game. Uh, that's something that they're going to try to hopefully duplicate against the Boilermakers.
4: Okay, Damien, give us a sense of how you see this game unfolding once it kicks off at high noon Eastern time on Saturday.
5: Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be probably similar to the Fresno game for Purdue fans because uh, both teams do like to throw the ball, spread things out. Uh, It should be an entertaining game. I know for Purdue fans, uh, there's probably a few plays they want back to uh, have a win over Fresno and feel a little bit more confident going into this week's game. Uh, But I do see it being in the 30s, uh, maybe even low 40s uh, to see – how this game plays out and should be a fun atmosphere uh, for, uh, you know, a game that's kicked off, like you said, at high noon and, uh, you know, temperatures will be, I think a little bit cooler than they were this past weekend in Virginia, uh, but should be a great environment.
4: Ought to be good. Look forward to it. Purdue's going to try to avoid an 0-2 start as it plays its first game ever in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Of course, this is a return trip. The Hokies run West Lafayette in 2015. So, Damien, look forward to the ball game and we appreciate you dropping some uh, Hokie knowledge on us today.
5: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on.
4: On
1: the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Easton Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502.
6: At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union. Your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA.
0: This is the Golden Black Radio pregame show. The most in-depth guide to Saturday's game you'll find. Featuring the staff of Golden Black.
1: Let's bring in Brian Newbert to get his perspective on the Boilermakers as Purdue heads to week two. Uh, Brian, the Boilermakers put up 35 points in week one. But there still, I think, was a feeling that Purdue offensively you know didn't really show its full hand in fact I I don't know that it really and I know you've written a lot about this this week so I'll sort of set you up here but didn't really establish an identity for week one and and leaves us feeling like you know we haven't yet seen that for Purdue.
7: Well yeah I mean like what Outside of Deion Burks making a bunch of big plays, what did Purdue fall back on against Fresno State? What could they go to that they figured they could execute whenever they needed to execute it to just move the change, just stay on the field offensively? I think that's where, you know, improvement from week one to week two has to lie, and improvement from week one to week 11. I think, you know, you have to have a core group of calls that you can – you know, kind of fall back on in almost any situation that sometimes the defense knows it co- it's coming, but they still have to stop it. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And I, I just didn't see a whole lot of sign, a whole lot of signs of that against Fresno State. Now, in Purdue's defense, they didn't have the ball a whole lot against Fresno State, so I'm not sure we saw everything they wanted to do, but. You know, they ran that one RPO to uh, uh, Max Clare. They ran some, some read option stuff. But it's like they never got back to anything. That they, they ran something once, and then they just never got back to it if it worked. Um, and I think that that's something where Purdue has to really get some bread and butter offensively here established and uh, really f- figure out what they can fall back on offensively, where they can – you know just keep their offense on the field. Yeah. Uh that's not really the reason probably that they, you know, didn't really convert as much on third down, although it would have been helpful I'm sure to have something really reliable to go to on third down, but um I think it's it, it looked to me like an offense and an offensive play caller and an offensive uh cast of offensive personnel that was still really s- kind of settling in and that's yeah. that's perfectly reasonable you know for a first game and a first game under a new coaching staff yeah
1: yeah I think I can agree with that what do you think that what this is
7: probably an impossible
1: question to, to answer but but what it what is it what 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 do you think Purdue needs to get to offensively that it can really rely on
7: uh quick passing game easy completions uh anything that you know, can get the defense off balance a little bit where you can run off of that. You can throw throw the ball downfield off of that. You know, things like just that kind of basic sort of offense. Um, yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Screen games, uh, a, a variety of running plays, read option, RPO, whatever it might be, whatever they can, whatever they dedicate their practice time to. I don't know what it is because I don't go to practice. Um, but whatever those bread and butter sorts of things can be for this team. They just need to get that established. They need to be consistent with it. And uh, they just need to give just need to give defenses something to have to prepare for. I'm not saying, you know, Fresno State didn't have to prepare for anything. I don't know what they could have prepared for, you know, other than whatever Graham Harold did at his past stops. Yeah. But um you just need something you can rely on in most any situation. Every good offense has that, whether it's it's the running game, whether it's the quick passing game, whether it's tempo, whether it's whatever. Um, that's what I'll be most interested to see uh, against Virginia Tech is what Purdue really tries to get established early in the game, how much success they have with it, how much success they can have getting back to it uh, you know, later in the game, and just how they can – how they can adjust to defenses' adjustments, how they can play off things, how they can give different looks, and you know maybe take some shots off of some some things that they've they've conditioned the defense to expect to see.
1: Yeah, that's I know you've talked a lot about this, and I'm always curious. Watching this too is whether coaches are setting something up for later in the game. And there were two plays, Brian, that I I felt like. They had to be setting something up. And then we just never saw the payoff. It was the two just sort of uh, flare passes out. And I I think both of them were incomplete, or at least one of them was incomplete. Then I think the receiver got blown up on the second one. Uh, Then I felt like, okay, they've done this twice. It was incomplete the first time, then got blown up the second time. They've got to fake this at some point and then drop a tight end 15 yards down the field over the top of the safety that's going to be drawn in to the receiver. And we just never saw that. I was sure they were setting that up at some point. And so that's the kind of stuff I like to see out of an offense. Like even if something doesn't work, are you setting up for when you need a big play later in the game? And of course yeah. Purdue didn't need some big plays later in the game. I thought Purdue would go back to that. Uh, and it didn't, unfortunately.
7: Well, that's what I'm getting at is those two passes you're talking about one was incomplete one got blown up yeah if you can consistently execute that play and that's six yards a pop and you can do that four or five times in the course of the game that then gives you the opportunity to run off of that to hit something down the field off of that now in in terms of slipping the tight end over the middle i think it's important to remember that purdue is on its third tight end uh wow. And uh, I'm not sure how big the playbook is for the tight end position right now. Um, it would be bigger, I'm quite certain, if Garrett Miller was out there. Yeah. But right now you, you have a redshirt freshman out there who they tried to involve. That They did some stuff for Max Clare in terms of those drag routes and that one RPO play, uh, things like that. But now that you've had this one game and you've seen what some people can do and you've seen what some people can't do um, – you know, perhaps we see a very different looking offense uh, this weekend at Virginia Tech. I was surprised; probably only played. They really only played five receivers. Yeah. Now that we're counting Tyrone Tracy as a running back, and uh, only three of those guys played more than four snaps. And I, I think it would be probably a little bit conducive to having a bigger playbook if you had, you know, maybe some more guys you could run in there and, uh, you know, stuff. But I, it'll be very interesting to see what we see from them offensively at Virginia Tech. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Brian. Yep. All
1: right. Back with more in a moment. This is golden black radio.
0: What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the big 10 roundup.
1: All right, Al, let's take a glance around the big 10, five games on Saturday, excluding the one, of course, that Purdue will participate in against Virginia tech. Let's start out with coach prime and, uh, <laughs> His Colorado Buffaloes hosting uh, Nebraska this weekend, noon kickoff. Uh, Colorado, which was a three touchdown underdog last week, but won at national runner up TCU as a field goal. He gets the home three uh, as uh, Deion Sanders will make his, his debut on uh, the home field as the head coach of uh, Colorado. Uh, what a story uh, this is, um, man, I, it's just speaking for me personally, it's he he's such a flamboyant and loud player that it's it's been too easy, I think, to dismiss him uh, as a head coach. But look, uh, that the record says what it is. He was great uh, and Colorado was great in the opener and uh, it appears to be the real deal. It'll be an interesting game against Nebraska.
3: It absolutely will be. you got to remember, TCU had 10 penalties, kind of botched that game, Or we'd be talking a little bit differently uh, had TCU gotten out of there with the win. But uh, to Coach Prime, uh, yeah, you have to give him credit. You also have to give him credit for his son. I mean, he was yeah. off the chain at 510 yards passing, and – and you know, confidence can take you a long way. Uh, I think they'll get through that game against Nebraska at home, just because Nebraska can't seem to get out of its own way most of the time. But, but you know what, Kyle, Colorado's going to lose a game this year. They're not going to win the national championship. That that I'm going to I'm going to make that bold statement right now, even though I don't believe. Well, Colorado do
1: do. Colorado made plays at the end of its its victory against TCU. Uh Nebraska did not again. No. no <laughs> I mean, just its no. its new coach same story pretty unbelievable. Yeah, uh, no all person. right uh 3:30 kickoff number 2 Michigan will host UNLV. Michigan is a 38 point uh favorite and this one the Wolverines didn't do much last week to make anybody think that they're uh they're not who we thought they were. Uh, Michigan is really good even without its coach. uh, And I would suspect we'll be really good again on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I don't know if they covered last week, did they? But, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I I don't think it matters one bit whether or very little that whether Jim Harbaugh is there. Um, I think Michigan will try to get some work designing some and building other since
4: 1968. TNW uh, has weekend, changed the AJ way McCarthy people think about and, construction. Uh, TNW's totally three-stage approach to changed. designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn so more about T.W.'s people, passion, teams, and projects would, at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, United service, and to, cuisine to the Whittaker last This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Iowa. Escape this from the ordinary at the, the Whitaker Inn.
1: seems like yeah. the Hawkeyes are favored by three and a half. If you are running for president, you will be in attendance, apparently, at this football game. The Hawkeyes. I don't know. What, what do you make uh, after uh, after week one for Iowa?
3: They had a 36-yard touchdown pass, Kyle. You and know. Cade McNamara and his, his quad that they've been talking about since the second week of August, he seems to be able to manage that. Um, Iowa did not run the football very well. They've won six out of the last seven, but they lost last year to Iowa State in a slugfest. You know, it it's just every year seems to be a 13 to 10 game. It just seems to be that Iowa wins it every year. So, um, uh, look for that to happen again, I guess. Uh, though it should be a, it should be a, I don't know if it'll be an interesting game, but it should be a close game. It, did,
1: did I, it, I could be, this could be fake news here, but we'll go with it anyway. Uh, did I hear or read correctly that the touchdown pass on the opening drive by the Hawkeyes was the first? ever touchdown pass on an opening drive in the Kirk Ferentz era. Is that
3: possibly true? That's possibly true. I don't know the answer to that. Did not read that little tidbit, but anything's possible. Uh, though they've had some quarterbacks that have been, you know, Drew Tate and some others have been pretty good under under Ferentz. Uh, uh, and Cade McNamara is serviceable, but uh, certainly a better step up from where they were last year. But that's not saying much. Uh, I would still think Iowa is going to win on its defense, and 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 that's uh, stating the obvious. would so just where the Hawke- way the Hawkeyes play.
1: It sounds good, so we're going to go with it being true. Uh, yeah, I think it's very
3: true. <laughs> All
1: right, three thirty kickoff. UTEP at Northwestern. <laughs> uh, this, in a lot of instances, would be a who cares game, and and really is. UTEP is one and one. However, um, it's favored yeah. uh, at Northwestern. By a point, that is pretty unbelievable and telling of of the Wildcats. Look, not only, not only is Northwestern mm, troubled by what occurred here over the last several years, really, but then came to light this off season. But also, the Wildcats looked bad. <laughs> yeah, dysfunctional on offense in particular. And the loss at Rutgers just avoided the shutout with a late touchdown that that didn't mean anything. But, man, Northwestern didn't look like it had a lot going on on offense.
3: Well, I mean, they went through one of the worst scandals so far in the last, you know, certainly on the uh, Mount Rushmore, if there's such a thing of the 21st century so far. Now there, There have been other bad ones that we don't need to go into. But uh, this is a team that was also one and eleven last year. So uh they weren't supposed to be very good this year anyway. We're supposed to be able to, supposed to struggle. And then you throw in uh a calamity like their this whole program's dealing with. And uh, I don't know. I, I just not sure they I I think UNLV will get them there, but uh and I think the Wildcats are gonna have a hard time winning the game this year. Yeah. Primetime
1: game on Saturday, seven thirty kickoff uh at least locally, it'd be a different time out there on the West coast, Washington state hosting number 19, Wisconsin. Uh, this will be um, going forward. Probably one of the, the most recurring big 10 versus pack 12 matchups uh, because Washington state yeah. will be the only team left of the pac 12. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, that may be. Yeah, but it could be true. Uh, Wisconsin is a, a, a narrow favorite. So I guess a six point favorite, nearly a touchdown at Washington state. Uh, so much for Air Raid and the Badgers. What was the final numbers? The Badgers still rushed for like 300 yards. Apparently out of the Air Raid, you can still run the football. And uh, Luke Fickle certainly did that in his debut as the coach at Wisconsin.
3: Yeah, Tanner Mordecai did not have a great game. Certainly uh, had a couple turnovers in that game. He better not do that again. You know, This is where it all started to go south for Paul Chris last year, and that 17-14 to 14 loss to wazoo in madison three turnovers 11 penalties this is a dangerous game for wisconsin um uh, yes they're a new team and a new coach and everything new but uh they need they need to have a little bit more balance especially because that's what they want to do as a football team and uh, that's what uh, luke fickle i think says he wants to do uh that may change if, if tanner mordecai becomes a a a game manager as opposed to a guy that can uh, you know Braylon Allen can do a lot of things and uh, and can 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 cure a lot of problems that you have but uh, again Wisconsin uh, uh, this is an interesting game and and I I I wouldn't be shocked if Washington State doesn't uh, I think they're what a six-point dog in this one Mm -hmm. but uh, wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if this one is another upset
1: that's the Big Ten Roundup for week two Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's
0: Alan Karpick.
1: All right, Al, let's take a historical view at Purdue and Virginia Tech. Let's expand that out a little. Uh, The Boilermakers versus Power 5 teams on the road. Uh, (laughs) I was at the one victory uh, that the Boilermakers have had versus the Power 5 away from home since 2006.
3: Yeah. Well, since since, yeah, 2000, yeah, 2005 is the only one Though that of course was you were at that one too, the Arizona game. That's but right. I think you're talking about the Missouri game in 17, yeah. which was a shocker, really, if you think about it, uh, 35 to three. And Drew Locke was the quarterback. And and uh, that was and and uh, you, you shut him down completely in that game. That was really one of the more surprising uh you know if you go back and look at it in perspective uh, to go out there and win like that and win by 32 points on the road is uh, pretty darn impressive against a future NFL quarterback who was awful that day as I recall he was much better the next year when 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 Missouri came to Purdue and beat Purdue 40 to 37 but this is a uh, uh, that was their one their lone win their 4-9 Kyle against the eight power five on the road since 2000 the other ones like we said that arizona win in 2005 they beat wake in 2003 the last win against an acc team uh, on the road of course notre dame uh, in 2004 uh the other victory but uh they're few and far between
1: uh yeah you're you're not making me feel all that great here uh al so you mentioned (laughs) the, the last uh the last win versus an ACC team on the road was that victory against Wake. That was a good win also for Purdue.
3: Absolutely, Wake was ranked twentieth in the country. Purdue was was coming off uh, that Bowling Green loss and really had some questions and uh, had to struggle in that game. I can remember Sean Phillips and Stuart Schwiger making a couple of big stops at the end and Purdue getting out of there alive from alive with a. With a uh, close win, but against a good Wake team, ended up they, they were ranked twentieth when the Boilermakers beat them.
1: Yeah, this is Purdue's first game ever in Virginia.
3: That's unless that, unless they played some high school back in an OT six that uh, <laughs> that uh, was there, but I don't we don't think so. So this is the first one they've obviously played Virginia, uh, uh, this UVA in West Lafayette. Uh, they've obviously – but they've never played them there. And, of course, Virginia Tech came to West Lafayette in that highly memorable 2015 wow. game, 51-24. to 24. There was, what, two inter, two fumble returns for touchdowns in that game. Uh, of course, Danny Wichick, 90-yarder in that one. But uh, uh, still, pretty forgettable game as Purdue just got absolutely crushed by a very pedestrian Virginia Tech team in that time. But, yeah, first trip to the state of Virginia, first trip to Blacksburg. And, uh, you know, I think that inner Sandman may will, hopefully for Purdue, they'll, they'll adjust to that. That's at least a four point swing right there. But uh, it's going to be going to be an interesting experience for a noon kick. Uh, but I think their fans are going to show they they stay, they, 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 you know, had sixty five thousand there last week. So they like to get there for that event. And uh, uh, we'll see what happens.
1: I uh, joining the long list of backup quarterbacks who have tormented uh, Purdue, Virginia Tech, I think started a backup quarter. I can't remember the guy's name uh that day. Uh joining the likes of what Gary Godsey, Rocky <laughs> Lombardi, Riker Fife. I think they were
3: down to the third team, but the, yeah, it was not even I don't think Riker, different.
1: I think Purdue beat Riker Fife. I shouldn't include him in the uh, in the list.
3: Think. they did that yes in fact Daryl hazel beat Riker fife right yeah. 55 to 45 in that picture duel and they almost shared 100 points <laughs> but they didn't but they didn't or we'd still be playing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so all right, that, Al. that, uh all right sounds good kyle thank you
1: thank you we'll be back with more here in a moment this is golden black radio On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, Your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502.
6: At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life.
0: Federally insured by NCUA. Catching from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show.
1: All right, Tom, let's talk some matchups between the uh, Boilermakers and the Hokies. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. This is not uh, the old Frank Beamer, Virginia Tech squad. They've been through some things here recently. Uh, that's probably a good thing for Purdue. This, As we talked earlier, look at the lines. Uh, it's bounced around so much that you feel like it's it's basically a pick So, maybe an opportunity here for Purdue and sort of a makeup type game for the, the week one loss. But uh, for the Boilermakers to be able to do that, uh, you know, I said this last week too. It seems to me you've got to be able to establish the run here early on. Maybe do some things to mix it up a little bit because I, I don't think that what Purdue wanted to be able to do running between the tackles really was all that effective. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel like. I don't feel like Purdue really looked to get the ball outside in the, in the ground game much. Perhaps we'll see a little bit of a change up uh, on Saturday by the Boilermakers.
2: Yeah, you're right. It's going to be uh it's going to be a challenge. First, you dealing with that environment, Kyle, you know, Lane Stadium, we, we've heard so much about the inter-Sandman yeah. and the raucous environment. Even though he's hit the field, so maybe, uh, the Boilers are going to have to deal with all that and, you know, Tech Tech won last week. They're one and zero. They're feeling good, and you know they, they're, they're a program with a real sense of urgency right now. Um, you know, you talked about these aren't Frank Beamer's Hokies. and and you know, <clears throat> you remember when this this is a proud program, a national contender almost every year, and they've really fallen off. So they're looking to get some mojo under their second year coach Brent Pry, who was a the, the Penn State defensive coordinator before he got that job in in Blacksburg. So um two defensive coaches gonna be matching wits here and you know, offensively they're their quarterback is a you being he began his career at Marshall. he's a bigger guy he likes to run the ball and they really struggled on offense last year they didn't have many good receivers well they've gone out and got some transfer receivers that they like a lot you know Ali Jennings and, and Jalen Lane are a couple of the big targets that they like to throw to and a couple of good running backs as well the guy that watches tootin so uh they feel like they've got more weapons on offense now. They scored over 30 points last week, and I don't think they ever scored 30 points in the game last year, so they think they may have something on offense. This, of course, will be a big step up in competition uh, for, the, for the Hokies playing the Big Ten team after they played ODU last weekend. So we'll, we'll, we'll really see how good that Virginia Tech uh, offense is this week, I think.
1: Yeah. I'd like to see you know even even though I think Purdue did okay getting some pressure up front, I'd like to see it a little bit more consistently, especially on on third downs when you're really relying on those guys to jostle the quarterback and, and not leave some of your DBs out there too long. To me, uh, that would be one uh, uh, one way to solve some of your issues in the back half if you could just land a couple yeah. more plays
2: up front. Yeah, they they need their outside linebackers, the real strength of that defense, to play well. I talked about the guys on offense that have to be playmakers. I think we know the guys on defense that need to step up. You know, we saw Cadron Jenkins a little bit last week. Uh, Nick 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 Scowerton yeah. and um, you know Corday Sidner. Those guys have to play big off that edge and, and get pressure, like you were talking about, to help ease some of the burden of those guys in the back end of, of the defense. So you know, we will we'll see if those. Those outside linebackers can't step up or not. All right, Tom, <laughs> who you got on Saturday? I went with Purdue. I know they're the dog, but I think they're going to find a way to eke this thing out. I, I think this game is going to mirror last weekend heck of a lot, Kyle. I think it's going to be back and forth, several league changes, and it's going to be another fourth-quarter game. And it may be a game where the last team with the ball wins or or close to it. Uh, we saw Fresno score with 59 seconds to go last week to, to, to win this thing. And uh, I think we could see a similar outcome this week where this thing comes down to the last part of the fourth quarter. And whoever's able to make some plays is going to be able to steal this victory, I think.
1: Hmm? Yeah. Look, I know, Tom, that we, 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 we focus on some of the negative things when, when a team loses, in this case, when Purdue loses, there were some foundational things that I thought the Purdue did really well. I mean, They got some big plays offensively and on special teams. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't commit a a ton of turnovers, uh, didn't commit a a ton of penalties. Uh, You know, all those things matter um, and and they even matter in a loss. So I think there was something to build on there. I think Purdue makes some improvements from week one to two. And for that reason, I'm going to take Purdue uh, on the road in the non-conference. I know. I understand that's, you know, not something that happens every day, but, uh, but I think the Boilermakers can go uh, East and get a victory. I'll take Purdue by a final somewhere in there. 33, 27, it'll be close. Uh, It'll be be a coin flip. I think Uh, maybe even closer than those six points. uh, uh, Indicate I'm I'm talking like, you know, final couple minutes scoring type close. So, so we'll see, but I'll take the Boilermakers in a close one. Uh, Tom, Thank you. Uh, get better. Uh, drink your orange juice uh, on your on your flight over there to uh, to Virginia Tech.
2: I appreciate it, my friend. Take care, Kyle.
1: That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right. That'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhardt, Brian Hubert, and Alan Kerpik. I'm Kyle Chargers. Thanks for listening. This is Gold Black Radio.